For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hello, welcome to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We are live from the Wisco Fanatics Facebook, YouTube, and now Twitter pages. And uh, we got some exciting new content today. You can see we have an extra screen on here now. And um, before we start getting into some of the extra content that we have now, want to let everybody know that we have a live show coming up on November 4th at the Green Bay Parker John's. Uh, we're going to do a live Packers show, so come out and hang out with us and get some good food at Parker John's in Green Bay on November 4th. But we're going to kick it off, actually, with a video that my wife sent me yesterday, and uh, we're going to show off a little bit of the, the new stuff that we got going on. And uh, we got a screen here, and so this is this is my wife, Courtney, tagged me in this yesterday. So some of the minor league baseball teams have bat retrieval dogs instead of bat boys. And um, I don't remember which team this was, um, but their bat retrieval dog, they put a GoPro on his collar, and that's what you're seeing here. And it was funny because my first thought when seeing this video and listening to the sound that comes with it, obviously, was um, imagine being one of the minor league baseball players on that team and then having people cheer louder for the bat retrieval dog than they do for you. <laughs> Oh, Todd, not too many more weeks, buddy. We'll get to the Bears, Todd. Welcome back, buddy. All right, so let's jump in. We're going to talk about the Brewers today. We're going to talk about the Cy Young candidates today. We're going to talk about the Packers, and we're going to talk about the Badgers. But we're going to start with the Brewers, and that that, uh, pertains to both of our fan questions that we had this week. So we're going to jump into that. This is nice, too. One of the benefits of having the extra screen on here now is being able to uh, display these questions and display when we give lists and stuff like that so we can do stuff like this. And uh, it makes it a little easier on the visual end. Obviously, Jake and I are smaller right now, but, I mean, we're not that good looking that you want to stare at us on a really big part of the screen anyways. <laughs> no offense, I want you Jake. to hear me, not see me. <laughs> but we want to see, you know, we want to be able to have people see what we're talking about and you know, be able to 
Like if Jake and I are doing a, a set of lists, let's say we did a uh, we had Josh, our Packer expert, uh, with us in um, I think it was like February or March, and we did free agents, and mm-hmm. we each listed five free agents at a bunch of different positions. And instead of only being able to hear us, let's say you you tune in at number five, you tune out and you tune back in, and we're talking about number two. And instead of having to go back at numbers three and four, you can actually just see them on the screen. So we're going to utilize this a little more going forward and hopefully give some better content on the video portion of this. So if you are listening to the podcast and you want to get a little more uh, a little more interactive, obviously join the live shows on Facebook, YouTube, and now Twitter. And um, and we can, uh, we can display some of these things. So we're uh, excited to see what else we can do with this in the future. Um, and maybe do some some video highlights and uh, breaking down some plays and stuff like that. But we're going to start using it for the questions of the week. So, Jake, let's uh, let's tackle the first question that you want to get at with these three. The first question that I wanted to get at is obviously the most obvious one. Who could give the Brewers the biggest problems in the playoffs? That's easy, man. It's the Dodgers. I mean, they have the payroll, they have the players, and most importantly, they have the experience. I mean, obviously, they – won the World Series last year. But uh Sean Jake's terrible fantasy scores. No, we're not we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. We're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna ignore fantasy football this year. It's not my year. By the way. Christopher that Christopher is actually in the comment section right now said to display Jake's terrible fantasy scores. We do have the Wisco Fanatics Fantasy Football League that Jake is currently 0-2 in. Uh <laughs> Christopher actually made our <laughs> Christopher actually made our Discord channel as well. That is pinned on the Wisco Fanatics Facebook page. So if you want to hang out with us in between Wednesdays, you can join us on Discord. And now Tim, our buddy, is commenting in here. Jake's going to be 0-3 after this week. Um, Loser of the Wisco Fanatics League gets a pie to the face. So there's that to look forward to. Uh, And the winner gets a free t-shirt. Yeah, winner gets a t-shirt, yep. And a $25 gift card to Parker Johns. So there's that. Um which you can also get for sharing the show. So um, back to the question, uh, who could give the Brewers the biggest problems in the playoffs? Jake and I have said it the last couple weeks that we believe that the winner of a potential Brewers-Dodgers series will be the World Series winner, uh, similar to the comparison that we made with the Bucks and the Nets, that the winner of that series was going to be the the NBA champion, and that's that came to fruition. I, I mean, The obvious answer is the Dodgers. I wanted to give another answer, especially an AL answer, just because if the Brewers can get past the Dodgers into the World Series, the team that I think would give them the most problems is the Tampa Bay Rays. And the reason that I believe that they are the team that could give the Brewers the most problems is because their pitching is probably the closest to ours in the AL. Uh, The White Sox have some nice starters but the Tampa Bay, when we talked to Craig Kashan last week about the bullpen and believing that the Brewers have the best bullpen, which I do, I really do, especially with the combination of Devin Williams and Josh Hader, is I believe the Tampa Bay Rays probably have the number two bullpen in baseball. Um, we sent them J.P. Fireisen and Drew Rasmussen, which has helped them, and they gave us Willie Adamas, which has helped us. So that trade really worked out for both sides. And... Um, yeah, I think Tampa Bay would be the other answer to that question for who could give the Brewers the biggest problems in the playoffs. Yeah, AL side, I would say either Tampa Bay or the White Sox. White Sox have a interesting roster, a lot of good hitters. They have some pretty good pitchers. They're going to be they'll definitely be a player I think over in the AL. 
All right, which which ta- which question do you want to tackle next? See, I'm not gonna have a good response for this, so this one's gonna be all you. But who deserves right. credit for Burns and Freddie Peralta? So I had a question coming: Who deserves credit for the re uh, the revival, the resurrection of Corbin Burns and Freddie Peralta's careers? Um, I don't know that they ever really experienced like a huge downturn. Um, they started their career similar to the way that Aaron Ashby is right now, where they they were starters in AAA. They did a year as a reliever in the late innings or the late uh, portions of the year. And then they came back the following year as starters. Uh, They both struggled a little bit in the bullpen. I mean, you can kind of contribute that either to, you know, just nerves for being new in the league, just for strictly uh, facing better competition. But the two, the two pitching coaches that have worked with these two the most are Chris Hook, who's been the pitching coach this year and last year. And then Derek Johnson, who was the pitching coach from 2016 to 2018, I would say he also had a hand in the um, the development of Josh Hader, Devin Williams, Brandon Woodruff, even Brent Suter, um, you know Adrian Hauser to a point. Those guys have all come through um, in the recent years, but didn't arrive here as what they are now. And Eric Lauer to that point too. I mean, he's developed since we got him when the um, the Brewers made the trade of sending Trent Grisham and Zach Davies to San Diego to get Luis Urias and Eric Lauer back. They knew they were trading for prospects. And Luis Urias is still a prospect. He's a contributing prospect, but he's still a prospect. He's got some error issues to iron out. But that said, um, to answer the question, Derek Johnson and Chris Hook are the two pitching coaches that have worked with those two the most. So that answers that question. And let's move on to the last question. What is, or sorry, excuse me. What are the Brewers' biggest strengths heading into October? Easy, man. Uh, you just heard Tyler talk for a good 45 seconds about all the pitching prospects that the Brewers have. It's pitching. We have the best bullpen and arguably the best starting rotation. You know, top three wise, we're very good. Last night, again, Woody kind of got burned. He had a great outing and he got burned again. But I mean, the top three, Woody, you know, Corbin Burns is obviously a Cy Young, you know, candidate. And Freddie Peralta is a strikeout master, fastball Freddie, curveball Freddie, whatever you want to call him. Freddie is good. That's what I say. Uh, we got a lot of pitching. Josh Hader's lockdown. Devin Williams is the airbender. And Boxberger, I mean, he had a bad outing, you know, this past week. But other than that, he's pretty much been shut down. Jake Cousins, I mean, the Brewers have pitchers. So that's going to be the strength of this team. If they can manufacture some runs, via the long ball or, you know, some small ball, figure a way out to get four or five runs on the board. You like your chances to win that game. Yeah, and this was another one, too, that, I mean, the obvious answer is pitching. I mean, we we know what we have in Corbin Burns, Woodruff, Peralta. I mean, I mentioned last week, Freddie Peralta doing the six innings and two hits or less. He's done it the same amount of times that Verlander did in 2019 when he won the Cy Young. So our third best pitcher is doing Cy Young-type things. Yeah. And he's not even in the conversation with a guy like Corbin Burns because he's been so good. Mm-hmm. More on that later. Um, so to answer this question, besides just pitching, is I also said depth. The Brewers, the Brewers are very good on depth. And you think of just bringing in a guy like Eduardo Escobar. So the Brewers already went from having Colton Wong, Willie Adamas, and Luis Urias across the infield. And now they bring in a guy like Eduardo Escobar who can play third base and can play a little bit of first base. I'm not sure we'll see him there in the postseason. Um, if there's a really good matchup for him, maybe. Uh, right-handed pitching, maybe. You don't want to put Vogelback or Telez 
uh, who are both left-handed hitters in the lineup and you want to keep another righty in the lineup, then maybe Escobar will play um, a little bit of first base. But other than that, like Jace Peterson, he's contributed as a depth player. Um, Tyrone Taylor, who's back on the field now, has contributed as a depth outfielder. I don't think going into the season anybody really saw him as big of a factor as he is for the Brewers. So depth is uh, something else I would say besides the obvious, just saying pitching. Or, uh, pitching. Um, and I forgot to mention with Gary's question of who deserves credit for Burns and Peralta, Chris Hook was talking to Madison.com about managing the workloads of all these pitchers going from a 60-game season back up to a 162-game season. And I think the Brewers have done a very good job of that. Yeah. All right, so let's let's move into. Do you want to do our Cy Young candidates, or do you want to do the Brewers recaps first? Let's break down the recaps. I think the Cy Young is a little bit more. I think we can get into some more heated debate that way. So I, I want to do break down the games first. Right. And the first game is going to be all you because you were there, and I want to get your your live perspective of the game because that's always more interesting in my opinion. All right, so I mean. It was rough, honestly, the first three innings because Zach Davies went through the order the first time through the order perfect. So it was kind of frustrating because there was a lot of hard contact, which was something that I, I wrote down on my phone right away. I'm like, the Brewers are making a lot of hard contact. It's just all right at the fielders. Uh, the second time through the – this was cool. Second time through the batting order, the first five batters all reached. Four hits and a walk out of the first five batters. And the Brewers played three runs out of that. They tied the game at that point. Um, I was bu- I'm was i not bummed that I got to see Adrian Hauser, but he just wasn't as sharp. Um, he had a pass ball and an error that didn't really contribute to his, his game. It kind of hurt him a little bit. But the Brewers came up big in the fourth inning and the eighth inning. Eighth inning. Uh, you just can't ever count a Brewers out of a game. Like, even... You were at the game with Vogeldock's walk-off Grand Slam. You can just you just can't count the Brewers out of a game, and no matter what the deficit is, you're in the late innings, and it's like, oh, you know, this game's over. You could have that view, but yep. this Brewers team finds ways to win late. They score runs late. They come back in games, and they find ways to win. So that's what they did in this game. Um, the Brewers drew nine walks in this game. Nine. I wish they still had it because they lost it the rest of this yeah. week. But um, Vogelback drew three of them. Colton Long was three for five. Luis Urias was two for three. Joe have three RBI. Um, what else did you see from this game before we run through the pitching a little bit? Uh, Aaron Ashby, he had three innings pitch, five Ks. That's what I wrote down. I mean, I always just go back to what you said. He's going to be a stud. We just might have found our fourth horse, man. Um, Hater. It's just lockdown. I absolutely love Josh Hader when he comes in the game. And you just like you just feel like if you would like blow a save, you're 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 just like shocked. You know, it's like crazy. It would be like the Vikings making a game winning field goal. You're like shocked because it happened. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I do it. I had I was waiting to make that joke, but I mean Wong Wong's the man, dude. Like you said, he had five at bats, three hits, he had two RBIs. I mean, he, you know, he was probably our best offensive player. And we beat the Cubs again. 90th win. The 90th win, for some reason, is just like a struggle for the Brewers. I don't know why. But, I mean, they, they played well. They got their 90th win. And the next the next day, on the 18th, is, you know, also an exciting day. 
I think Tyler may be frozen here. So I'm just going to move on to the, the 18th. Yeah, wide right. Yeah, I know, right? You know, about wide right, my uh, our buddy Tim just commented and said wide right. Growing up, my dad always used to say, if you ever visit Buffalo, there's there's two words you don't say. Is you say don't you don't say wide right because they lost the Super Bowl to the Cowboys that way. And instantly when I saw him kick that, I was like, there's no freaking way, dude. I couldn't believe that shit, man. Unreal. Uh, do you want me to move on to the 18th? Um, I just wanted to run through the pitching real quick. Like I mentioned, Josh, uh, Josh Hauser, jo- Adrian Hauser, Josh Hader, Adrian Hauser wasn't as sharp. His first 75 pitches, he had 44 strikes and 31 balls. When he threw his complete game shutout, we talked about him just, just piling in the strikes and he just didn't have that this game. Um, yeah. I also wanted to throw out Hunter Strickland had an inning pitch, got two strikeouts. Um, Ashby did get the win in his three innings pitch, and then Josh Hader yep. closed the door. Um, now you can move on. I know what you're gonna say with the, with this game. I know something you're gonna say about it. All right, I'm ready. I'm gonna go. He said, "Hey, now, lol." My dad comments. So Brewers six to four over the Cubs. Another series win over the Cubs. So that is amazing. They clinched the playoffs this day, and they had four home runs. Pineapple power twice. Yeah, that's what it was. I knew you were going to say pineapple power. I love it. I'm, I'm all for the pineapple I have power, Jake man. with an arrow saying pineapple power in my notes because I knew you were going to say that. I love it. I don't know why. It's just, I don't know. It, it makes sense. It rolls off the tongue good. Pineapple power times two. One in the second, one in the eighth. Uh, Escobar hit one in the third, and Peterson hit one in the sixth. Uh, another Corbin Burns gem, dude. I mean – the three earned runs, but he had another 10-plus strikeout outing, six innings. I mean, Boxberg came in, Williams came in, and Hayter came in. We talk about the 7th, 8th, ninth all the time. You get six innings out of your starter. You hand it over to Box, Williams, and Hayter, and you just go from there. And that's exactly the recipe they use against the Cubs, and Cubs took another L. They're used to that this year. Especially for us. I think they finished fifteen and three against the Cubs this year. Yeah, I meant to look that up. I didn't get all. I think that's what I saw. Uh, Pablo Reyes had two hits this game, and we we you know Jake mentioned it already that Corbin Burns had a good game. This is probably a game that Corbin Burns would have tell you that he should have pitched better. But giving Corbin Burns credit, I mean, he can't be you know eight innings no hit every game. Um, Corbin Burns hadn't allowed a home run since August sixth. Pretty good run. Over like a month and a half since he last allowed a home run. Yeah, Christopher mentioned in Reyes had the the sickest swim. I that was a tongue twister right there. Sickest swim move to score. Um, he did. He he moved nice, almost as cool as Colton Wong tagging up from third on an infield fly. I'll never forget that play. Never ever will I forget that. <laughs> I was at that, that game amazing. too. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, so I wanted to bring up with this game, Manny Pena. In his last 23 games up until this game, Manny Pena, 20 for 61, batting 328, seven home runs, and 22 RBI in 23 games. It's my man right there. That's your backup catcher. That's my man right there. Manny Pena's on fire. Yeah. Jeez. 
And a boy. Doug Williams also pitched an inning in this game. Three strikeouts, got the win, and Josh Hader shut the door again. Um, Two strikeouts for Hader. That's, no, that's the recipe for success right there. Yes, sir. All right. Well, let's move into the last game of that series, and I will let you start this one off. Uh, the Brewers ended up losing this one. Uh, this was the game where I, t- I referenced uh, Boxberger having a bad outing. He gave up a you know, homer, three-run homer. That was his three-earned runs. Um, and with that homer, Wisdom actually set the Cubs' rookie home run record uh, with 27. So, I mean, it is what it is. Good little accomplishment for him. I don't want to talk good about the Cubs, but it's a good accomplishment for him. You know, I'm, proud, you know, I'm happy for him. Um, but Brewers lost one to the Cubs. It is what it is. And you move on to the Cardinals. That's pretty much how I looked at it. We took our two. So, Yeah, I mean, look, I took a, a few things away from this. Um, Eric Lauer, five and a third innings, one hit, one earned run. The three walks kind of hurt him a little bit. Um, six strikeouts. I mean, a guy who pitches like that, he deserves to win. And that's going to be a theme, unfortunately. But he deserves to win that game. Um, the Brewers had seven walks pitching and two of them came around to score um you know that's if you cut down on those walks i'm gonna hammer on it every single time i get the chance that it hurts the brewers is the walks the brewers lost this game by two in two walks scored um something that it was coming up in the broadcast a lot and i wrote down and looked at the brewers had a base runner in every single inning except for the eighth See, that's, that's impressive. They grounded into three double plays. And that is not impressive. It's, it's impressive if you're the Cubs to get that many ground ball double plays. Yeah, they just, um, yeah, you just got to be better at putting the ball in play. Yeah. Not directly to infielders. <laughs> um, this game, if you needed more confirmation, Colton Long is a stud. Uh, it's official. So there's that. Um but then Contra Strickland had two-thirds of an inning. He pitched well. Jake Cousins is solid. Boxberger needs to get back in the groove. He's just in a little slump. I mean, he's been great 95% of the year. And then I wrote it on here, John Del Gustave, he's not going to be on the postseason roster. So I'm really just writing that off. Um, and then we can move on to the Cardinals. Ay, ay, ay. So first thing to say about the Cardinals. Holy shit, they're on fire. Because golly, man. This is – I was just talking trash not too long ago after I went to the game about the Cardinals. I was like, man, it's nice to nice to see them uh, having a bad year. And, you know, they're, it, it, they're 12 games behind us. And all of a sudden – I mean, st- we still got a good lead on them. I'm not going to freak out or anything. Not, it's nine and, and a half games. Yeah, it's not – okay. You know what? You brought it up, so now I'm going to say it. Okay. The amount of people freaking out that the Brewers are somehow going to lose the division, they are nine and a half games up with like 10 games left in the season. The Brewers would have to literally lose out and the Cardinals have to literally win out for them to beat us in the division by half of a game, whichever way, whichever team has one more game left. It's not going to happen. It's a three-game losing streak. Yes, it sucks. But it's also not the end of the world or the end of the season. If right. we had a, say a, a three game lead in the division, yeah, I'd probably freak out a little bit. But right now, the Brewers are not 
as worried about their lead in the division or how many games they win the division by because they will win the division, but they're more worried about having guys healthy and ready for the playoffs. So now I'll let Jay continue. You know, I didn't take a lot away from this game. Uh, I think Freddie Peralta had a good game. I mean, three earned runs again. That's not great, but it's really not that bad. Uh, six innings, three earned runs, nine Ks. He had one walk. Um, Garcia and Urias both had solo shots. And the saddest thing about that, I mean, that's both of our runs because we lost five to two. That's two of our three hits in the game. That's what I don't like. So yep. Lester really dominated us. It was his 200th career win for John Lester. And Arenado went over 100 RBIs in the season in this game as well. Uh, two-run homer. But the Cardinals are just playing well. The Brewers, you know, they, it's, it's just one game. We're not going to lose a division like Tyler said. I'm glad you gave that reassurance because that's all I've been seeing too is people just freaking out. Oh, I mean, we play a lot of games against the Cardinals. I won't lie. Right. So I can understand the frustration, but it's like if we take if we take a couple of those games, it's a wrap. It's over with. And then we play the Dodgers at the end of the year, and the Dodgers are going to have something to play for because they're only a game behind the Giants, but we'll see what happens. All right, I'm just looking up the Brewers' last end of the, end of the year schedule. I think we play the Mets. Well, we play the Cardinals still for two more games. And then we play the Mets, and then we play the Cardinals again. Yep. And then I think we play the Dodgers. So, obviously, the Brewers play today and tomorrow's are both home games, which the second tomorrow's game is actually on YouTube. So, everybody um, everybody can watch that game. Even if you don't have Bally Sports, you can watch it on YouTube. Um, two games, then three games against the Mets. All five of those games are at home. And then they have three on the road at St. Louis, three on the road at L.A. Dodgers. So yeah, that's it. take take this how you want because the Brewers have been a really good road team, but they have five games at home and six on the road. So they have 11 games left and a nine-and-a-half game lead. Yep. They'd have to lose all of their games but two, and the Cardinals would have to win all of their games but two to win the division. Like it's not – it's mathematically possible – but, like, if you went to Vegas with $100, they'd probably give you, like, a million if it happened. Yeah, the probability of it happening is not high. Let's just leave it that way. Right. And, Tim, echoing our our sentiment in the comments, being in a little bit of a slump now isn't a big deal. Get it out now rather than the playoffs, which is a good point. I mean, you can, you know, be playing your best baseball heading into the playoffs would be ideal. Um I can already see that Dodgers series being something that people freak out about because let's say, let's say the Brewers clinch the division against the Mets and the last few games really don't matter. They're going to have the two seed, whatever. Let's say the Brewers get swept by the Dodgers in those three games. I guarantee you there will be the sky is falling fans. I oh, guarantee yeah. it. Well, unless the Giants, you know, unless the Giants, you know, the, the, Say the Dodgers go on like a little two-game slump toward, right before that series, and the Giants end up wrapping up the division, right? Then I could see the Dodgers mailing it in because they're going to have to play right, right. again. And, that, and you know? then it would be both teams just – Yeah, then it would just be – Yeah, we're going to go out there, we're just going to play some baseball, and then we're going to get ready for the playoffs. Right. That is very possible that happens, you know, yeah. during that weekend. Especially, yeah. say the Brewers come out and they beat them the first game, and that's where the Giants wrap up the division. Right. 
that's something they can mail it in the last two games. And the yeah, that's that's, that's going to be a situation where they throw out random starters, do a bullpen day or something like that. Right. Plus, they're not going to be throwing everything at each other right now, like who they're going to use in situations, because they're probably right. going to meet in the playoffs. Right. That's all I'm going to say. So, I mean, nobody needs to be freaking out. It's okay. Let's right. just let's go through these 11 games. Yeah. Let's get to the postseason. And if you want to freak out at every postseason game, be my guest, because I'm probably going to too. <laughs> Right, regular season not as big of a deal. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it by shot right now. I mean, you can you, you can say I'm predicting the future if the Brewers win the division, but the Brewers are not gonna blow a nine and a half game lead in eleven games. I really freaking hope not. That would just be terrible. All right, so back to their series with the Cardinals. Monday's game, Freddie gave up an early home run, but he he really settled in after that. He looked good after that. Obviously, racking up the nine strikeouts. Um, my biggest takeaway from this game. Wasn't really anything on the field except for it was guys that are back on the field. Avi Garcia is back. Willie Adamas is back. I said this to one of my coworkers today who talks about the Brewers a lot, that the Brewers outfield is healthy. So we can stop complaining about Jackie Bradley Jr. because we can leave him off the postseason roster if we want to. Avi Garcia, Lorenzo Kane, who's in the starting lineup tonight, and Tyrone Taylor are all healthy. So you can go into the postseason with Yelich, Kane, Avi Garcia, Tyrone Taylor and Jace Peterson backing up the four of them if need be. So the Brewers don't have to bring Jackie Bradley Jr. to the postseason roster now that the rest of the outfield is healthy. Avi Garcia launched a home run in his first at-bat back from his injury. The thing that sucked about that game, Jake already touched on it, threw only three hits. Manny Pena drew a walk, only four total base runners in this game. And then Jake mentioned Boxberger already. Boxberger and Strickland both just need to kind of get their groove back. And uh, we'll see what happens with tonight's game. But let's talk about last night's game, something that Jake already touched on. Uh, Again, Brewers only four hits. And it's pretty sad when your pitcher gets one of them. Uh, I mean, Woodruff can rake, though. I know, but he shouldn't be 25% of your hits. That's all I'm going to say. And he pitched the gym, man. Six innings. I mean, he only gave up one run run. He had 10 Ks. And the saddest thing, I feel so bad for Woodruff, his record as a pitcher is under 500. He does not look like an under 500 pitcher. Man, that's He's just not. And we know that. But, you know, to like a casual fan who just pops in and checks the stats every, you know, two weeks, going to be like, oh, why do the Brewers fans talk about this guy so much? You know, look at his record, blah, blah, blah. He's not that guy. He's a stud. We all know that he's a workhorse. So, I mean, that's really what I took from that game is the Brewers got to get the offense going again, man. I mean, we have 11 games. Like like we said, we're not freaking out. Um, my dad thinks that JBJ will be in the playoff roster. I do too. I think he will be because of his defense. but Because of his defense, yep. But yeah, other... I mean, I'm just saying that the, the Brewers right. all feel it's healthy. So, like, if they if they really wanted to, they could leave him off. Um in the five game series against Atlanta, I do think it's going to be a pitcher that'll be left off because you can, you know, you don't have as many games, so you don't need as much pitching on that, um, that series roster. Um, and then obviously the defense would be more in play. And then maybe they bring the extra pitcher into the potential NLCS. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see. Maybe Tyrone Taylor won't be 100%. Maybe they'll leave Tyrone Taylor off and go from there. But we'll see what happens with that. It's still about two weeks away. I'm just ready for it, man. <laughs> This is this is perfectly why wins and losses aren't as um, they're not as heavily used in the Cy Young discussion anymore 
because it's really more of a team stat than a player stat, especially for pitching. Mm-hmm. And that's why things like ERA strikeouts, those are, those hold more weight in addition to some of the new metrics. Um, 11 strikeouts as a team, only four hits, five walks. They just need to like rediscover their hitting for contact. They need to get back to getting on base and just driving guys in. They did it really, really well on Friday against the Cubs, and they need to get back to that style of baseball. Just relying on the home run isn't going to be their style. No, they're going to be they're going to be grinding games out. And we mentioned it when we talked to Craig Kishon last week that four runs is probably going to win you a game. They just need to hit for contact more and stop striking out so much. So, Willie Adonis out of the lineup tonight. Um, probably just easing him back in. He had two games back since he's been off the 10-day injured list. And uh, they'll just kind of ease him in. But other than that, in the Cubs series, the Brewers came up into second for the most comeback wins in Major League Baseball with 38. That's intense. 38 comeback wins. And I do have the stat written down here. Um, The Brewers did win 15 out of 18 games against the Cardinals or the Cubs this year. Man, that was one of my things. Remember the season preview? One of the things that we talked about we were looking forward to? You should have brought that with you. (laughs) I should have. I was... revisit it. We'll revisit it next week. We'll re- we'll get back to it. Okay. 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 Uh, last because... thing I want to bring up with the Brewers before we move into Cy Young candidates, um, Aaron Ashby, his last twenty five and a third innings, only given up four earned runs. Damn. That's pretty good. I'll take that. I'll take that too. All right. You ready to talk about some Cy Young candidates? I am. I'm ready for people to bash me. Very excited. <laughs> All right. I. Uh... We'll see what people say about mine because if you want to say that I picked with my heart or my head, we'll see what happens. But I'm going to start. I'm going to give my number three first, and we're going to go three, three, two, two, one, one. Um, again, if you want to, if you're listening on the podcast apps and you want to see this, you can follow Facebook, YouTube, and you can see the visuals to go with this. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, I have reasons. We have reasons. We'll elaborate. So my number three is Zach Wheeler. I have him number three to the other two that I have on my list because he's the leader in innings and he's the leader in strikeouts. Um, He has a 283 ERA, uh, 102 whip, which is walks and hits per inning pitched. And it's lower than Corbin Burns, Max Scherzer, and Walker Bueller. So Zach Wheeler, very good pitcher, leads in innings and strikeouts is my number three. Jake, who is your number three? My number three is... Walker Bueller, um, he's just he's good, man. He's fourteen to four in the year. He has uh, one hundred ninety two innings pitched, two point three nine ERA, and he has a point nine six WHIP. And uh, again, referring to that episode that we did before the season, I did a little explanation on WHIP and you know the importance of that stat. It's kind of a new stat. It's been around for a few years now, but it's really not one that they they just started talking about it a lot more. I think kind of like a QBR football. You know, whip is like the new stat. Mm-hmm. And a .96 whip is great. And I like that he's just, he's just a good pitcher, man. He's always under control. He's a young guy, too, so he's going to be around for a long, long time. All right. My number two is Max Scherzer. 
Um, I have him number two for a handful of reasons. He has 226 strikeouts. There's only 11 more than Corbin Burns. Um, actually, no. Um, Corbin Burns. Um, I'm lost. He has 11 more innings than Corbin Burns. Um, he's The thing with Max Scherzer, and I know why he's leading in a lot of people's Cy Young award categories, is because he's trending in the right direction. He's pitching his best at the end of the season. Um, he's got a 208 ERA. He's doing really well since he's gotten to the Dodgers. He's just lights out with the Dodgers. He's seven and zero with the Dodgers so far, and he has a lower whip than Corbin Burns. I'm going to get a little bit more into this when I get to my number one. So I will let Jake give his number two. My number two is Corbin Burns. Uh, Corbin Burns is great, man. Um, but there, uh, and when we get, when I get to my number one, and Tyler gets his number one, we'll kind of have a little bit of a battle here. Um, I put Burns second. Not because I don't think that he deserves it, but his stats are just teeny bit behind. It was kind of like the Mahomes and Rodgers debate last year for MVP. Mahomes was just a little bit behind Rodgers. Rodgers was just a little bit better in some areas where I'm just like, yeah, I give it to Rodgers, you know. But I got some interesting stats here for Burns to maybe make the case for him. Um, he has eight games of at least 10 strikeouts on the season. And he has five games with at least nine strikeouts. So that's a total of 13 games with at least nine strikeouts. That's damn good. That is damn good. He has a .97 whip. That's very good. He is three and four at home. So that's, that's, that's an interesting stat because he has four losses on the year. All of them come at home. And the last one that I'm going to give you is the two things that Burns leads in is strikeouts per nine and strikeout to walk ratio. His strikeouts per nine is 12.6, and his walks, you know, his strikeouts to walks ratio is 6.9. 6.9 strikeouts to every walk. That, And we know he attacks the strike zone. That's how he's able to set that record, you know, most consecutive strikeouts without a walk, you know. But that's that's crazy. Corbin Burns is a monster. I'm going to leave the rest up for Tyler to make his case here. All right. So I'm just going to show our number two and our number one and number one at the same time because yeah. we're going to get into this. And I have – a few reasons that Jake already mentioned, the, the strikeout rate, the strikeout per walk rate, the strikeout per nine rate. Yeah. He's also first in fielding independent pitching. Uh, he's first in wins above replacement, which is one of those things that's tracking higher than wins and losses record. Um, gives up the least amount of home runs, gives up the least amount of barrel hits. And the thing, all right, this is my separator reason for picking Corbin Burns over Max Scherzer. I don't care if everybody's all like, well, Max Scherzer's in L.A., so he's going to win, or Max Scherzer's pitching the best right now, so he's going to win. My reason for picking Corbin Burns is because he has done things that Max Scherzer has not done. Corbin Burns broke a record and tied a record from all of Major League Baseball this year. Max Scherzer is pitching very well. Corbin Burns is breaking records. He's got less innings, which is really like the main knock on him is that he's pitched less innings. He also spent 10 days on the injured list very early in this season. Yeah. He also broke the record for most consecutive strikeouts without a walk to start the season. So that's Corbin Burns' record. And then he tied the major league record by striking out 10 consecutive batters. Both of those things are things that Max Scherzer cannot say that he's done. 
So that's why I have Corbin Burns over Max Scherzer. I'm not just picking him as a Brewers fan just to say, you know, I want my guy to win because obviously I do want my guy to win. But I give Corbin Burns the edge because he's done things that Scherzer has not. So that's my that's my piece for Corbin Burns. I pick Max Scherzer. Um, you know, when I was doing my research, I stumbled upon a thing called Cy Young Points. And Scherzer is just ahead by a mile. They actually have Burns in 10th place in the NL at 129.2. And Scherzer's got 155.7. You know, Tyler already brought up the stats since he's been with LA in nine games, 7-0. He has a .78 ERA. That is just stupid. The man is just going crazy. He has a great curveball going for him right now. Watch a couple of his interviews, and his curveball command is just outstanding right now. He leads the MLB in ERA and whip. He has a .81 whip, which is insanity. And Tyler said the ERA, 2.08. I mean, the man's just going crazy. I wrote, I told you guys the 10-game strikeouts, 10-plus strikeouts in a game and, and the nine strikeouts for Burns. Max Scherzer has six games of 10-plus strikeouts and seven games of nine strikeouts. So they both have a total of 13 games of at least nine strikeouts. To me, this this race is neck and neck. I mean, you could pick either, and you'll just kind of be like, okay, I'm okay with that decision. Am I going to be super upset if Corbin Burns loses? No, but I think that if he's going to win, this is going to be the year for him to win. So I would like that, obviously, being a Brewers fan, but I just really think that they're going to give it to Scherzer. And if I was voting, it'd be very hard for me to not pick Scherzer by the way that he's looked in the last nine appearances with L.A. Even yeah, though I hate LA. That's ultimately what I think is going to win it for him is the end of the season. Gary said yeah. it in the comments. Those writers won't pick Burns over Scherzer. And like like I said, that's going to be a big a big to-do with that is going to be recent pitching. I mean, if it's possible, like Burns was part of a no-hitter. He pitched eight no-hit innings in a game, which is another thing that Scherzer – he was he had one game where he was perfect through seven, but then gave up a run. But let's say Scherzer's last game, he pitches like five innings and gives up like four runs. And Corbin Burns' last inning is seven innings of shutout baseball. Like that's something that maybe turns the tide in Burns' favor just by the way the season ends. But the way that Scherzer's been since he got to the Dodgers is probably going to win the award for him, even knocking out his own teammate, Walker Bueller, who easily could have been one, two, or three on this list for yeah. either of us. Um, Jake brought up the Cy Young points thing. Um, it features a lot of relievers, which I don't foresee a reliever ever winning the Cy Young award unless there's like some just nuts, insane reliever in a year where all the starters are bad. But um, been a lot of good starting pitching in baseball this year. I mean, they're uh, hitting they have... down across the league. They've cracked down on foreign substances because pitching has been so good. Um, and even since then, you know, it hasn't slowed down a ton. Some guys have been affected more than others. People thought Corbin Burns was going to be one that was going to be affected by that, but he really hasn't. And it's just been across the league some great starting pitching. Like I brought up before and I brought it up last week Freddie Peralta is doing Cy Young things, and he's not going to sniff this race. Brandon Woodruff has has a sub 253, I think is his ERA. He's not going to sniff this race. No. 
It's going to come down to probably Scherzer, Burns, and maybe Walker Bueller. I don't think Zach Wheeler is going to get in just because um, I don't think his team really has the the recognition because the Phillies probably aren't making the playoffs. But it sucks because it's probably going to end up being Scherzer. But for me personally, I picked Burns just because, like I said, he's done things that Scherzer hasn't. So. All right, you got anything else before we move into football? Nah, man. I'm ready for some football, baby. All right, before we get into the Packers versus Lions recap, first we're going to give an update on this week's pie bets for the Pickums. Jake's dad, myself, and Jake are in a three, uh, three-man three Pickum pie bet, so the loser, whoever gets the least amount correct, Gets a pie to the face. So Jake might just be getting all the pies to the face uh, for the Wisco Fanatics League and for this uh, Pick'ems. Uh, I mean, the good thing for you is at least when we do the live show, your dad has to get one. Yeah, I know. I'm excited for that. So, I, <laughs> so I'm excited. You'll be able to see somebody else take a pie on the show that isn't you Ugh. for once. You know, after this week, I'm going, I'm going straight to the top, baby. Straight to the top. All right, man. I'll let I'll I'll let you think that that's how that's gonna go, but we'll see. <laughs> so the yeah, the live show. Jake's dad is gonna get a pie to the face for not correctly guessing how many hot dogs Joey Chestnut would eat in the hot dog eating contest. I actually won that one. Jake was lucky in the middle, and uh, Pat had the least. So at the live show on November fourth, if you enjoy the pie bets part of the show, there will be a live pie bet that day. Yeah, I'm excited for that. All right, let's move into. Packers versus Lions. I don't care if you want to talk about the first half or the second half or the offense or the defense, however you want to do it. Um, Are we still doing three game. stars? Are we still doing three stars, buddy? Yeah, let's do three stars. We didn't do it week one because there were no stars, but let's do it. Yeah, because it wasn't even a half a star. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, would give, I would give half a star to Jordan Love. Right, I'd give, give a half a star to him, too. So, recap. Packers won 35-17. They looked like a football team in the second half. The first half, we looked like a bottom five football team because we couldn't stop nothing. Uh, second half, the Lions had 140 total yards. So, I mean, that's not a ton. That's pretty damn good. They had a drive where they, they had negative two yards. pretty good against the running game in this game, period. Yeah. I mean, uh, they won the turnover battle 2-0. to zero. They had the fumble, and then they had the int from uh, the INT, the interception, the pick, whatever you want to call it, from – uh, Devondre Campbell, who played a great game, by the way. He was everywhere all In the second half. Yeah, he was everywhere. Um, Adams had eight for 121. He looked like his normal self. Rodgers looked like a normal self. <laughs> He's giving out numbers. Yeah, I'm counting down the stars. You got it. 21-0 um, to zero in the second half. That's what I really like. 21-0. to zero. Um, I'm just going to give my third star. I had two people tied for my third star. All right. One was Devondre Campbell because he had 13 total tackles, 10 solo. He had the interception. Um, he looked like he had great instincts on that interception, by the way. Kind of slid in his zone, protected the first down. So in case Goff wanted to run, and then he just attacked the ball. I mean, he looked like a legit good veteran middle linebacker, what we need. If we get anything out of our D-line, our defense has a chance. It's We just need awesome. literally anything. Anything. It's, we got to make a trade at this point. We got to make a trade at this point. We're going to have to wait till like week seven, week six, week seven, 
Can the Cardinals really suck so that their price for Chandler Jones goes down, please? No. no. Well, if they keep playing the Vikings. <laughs> um, but my other person is actually the head coach, LaFleur. Oh. Um, I think he called a great game offensively. Um, I really, really like that play where they run the fake and then they, they run the little – Tight end screen. The tight end Great screen. Play design. Dude, they did that in the Packer game. I talked about it when we recapped Eastern Michigan and Penn State that they ran a tight end screen for Jake Ferguson, and then the Packers did it for Tunyon. I was like, oh, I like that. Yeah, that like was that. great design. Um, but then the thing that I really like is if anybody didn't – not everybody saw the quote, but it, it was LaFleur talking to Barry about, you know, the adjustment for the defense. Um, I don't want to – you know, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't know word for word what it said, but he basically is just talking about you either got to play coverage or you got to blitz because running these four-man fronts ain't working. So you got to pick one. And Barry decided to send pressure, and it worked out. You got to – I don't understand why you wouldn't pressure a guy like Goff, speed up his thinking process. He's not one of those great quarterbacks just going to pick you apart. Sure, he'll make a play or two, but if you speed him up, you saw what happens. He makes mistakes, you know. So, and then we weren't getting any pressure on him in the first place. So it allowed Gary to get some single blocks and get in at him. And you got to bring pressure. That's just the name of the game. Eventually people will will figure it out. But also the thing that I want to say is uh, Eric Stokes. Eric Stokes, man. It is Eric Stokes' season, dude. He has arrived. He has officially arrived after Monday night. We can we can seriously we can sweep Kevin King down to the quarterback three like yeah. let's it, it just needs to happen at this point. Yeah, me and you were talking about we're like, dude, why would you not start Stokes? The Kevin King experiment is over. It's after over. last year's NFC Championship game, it was over. I don't even know why they brought him back. It was over after week one. It was over after the first series of this game, dude. Yeah, the he first got, I mean, series of this game. Tim said it would have been nice to see a Lambeau leap for Jamal Williams, even though he plays for the other team. I do think the Packers fans would have caught him. Yeah. I mean, he still loves us, man. I love hearing that he was like, I would have stayed with the Packers. Like, how how does that make you feel as a Lions fan that, like, knowing this guy doesn't even want to be there, really? He's just there to, to, because he plays paycheck, had some stats. So speaking of stats, the Packers actually did a really good job containing the run in this game. Like neither Swift nor Williams had a ton of rushing yards. Uh, Jake already mentioned only 140 yards in the second half. Yeah. Um, we were talking this this game was definitely a tale of two halves, especially for the defense. Um, if you look at just the offenses versus each other, the Lions having a lead at halftime was really because they only had one extra possession. That's, yep. that's really the reason that the Lions had the lead at halftime was just because they had one more possession than the Packers did. Uh, obviously, the Packers came out of halftime and scored a touchdown right away and then didn't stop scoring after that. But something that I said during the first half was it seems like Barry can't decide what type of defense he wants to be. Apparently, Matt LaFleur shared that sentiment and told Barry what Jake said. You either need to be a defense that creates pressure or you need to be a defense that doesn't allow the receivers to do anything. Um, both honestly, both strategies could have worked in this game because Jared Goff isn't a mobile quarterback. Neither is Jimmy Garoppolo. So we're going to talk about the preview here in a minute, but the, the having to cover and keep an extra man in coverage for Kevin King, it's, it's time for that to be over. And it's, definitely something that needs to be over this coming week because not only do the 49ers have Debo Samuel, 
They also have Brandon Ayuk. Those two are both speedsters. I do not want to see Kevin King guarding Brandon Ayuk. I do not want to see it. He will get burned. He got burned by Quintez Cephas. Shout out to Wisconsin. <laughs> that being said, it is absolutely Eric Stokes' season. He broke up two fourth down passes, one of them in the end zone, one of them that really swung the momentum for the Packers. Um, Cody just said the special teams, though. Kylan Hill had a nice kickoff return. Amari Rogers not as good in the punting, but um, the kickoff coverage looked better. The punt coverage looked better. And just the, the special teams as a whole does look better. So that better is encouraging. Week one, we definitely improved. Absolutely. I mean, we improved literally every area in week one. Yes. And like I was saying, tale of two halves for the defense. In the first half, I hated Devondre Campbell. Because he was a step slow, and he allowed the touchdown to Hawkinson, which was a nice throw, a nice catch. Not a whole lot you can do about that, so like I don't, I don't hold a lot of bad blood for that. But just being late on plays, I was really frustrated with Campbell in the first half. He cleaned it up in the second half. Was very, very good in the second half. So that gives me some optimism. Um, I'm, I hope that this isn't just a Lions situation that made Devondre Campbell look good. We'll see in Week Three. Um, we mentioned last week when we talked about Joe Barry that it's going to be four or five weeks before we decide if this is a good hire or not. Um, I like Lafleur taking you know taking the reins a bit, not just being the offense coach, but taking the reins and saying, "Hey, figure this out because we're getting gashed." He's the head coach. He's supposed to worry about everything. I hope exactly. Mike McCarthy's listening to this because his his teams his defenses are always ass. Yeah, Every time is the we're, we'll talk about Brandon Ayuk when we get into the preview. There's a reason why he hasn't seen the field a lot, and you know we'll get into that a little bit when we get to the preview. But, um, like I said, definitely giving credit to Kevin King for Kevin King. Wow, I don't want to give credit to Kevin King, Eric Stokes for breaking up the two fourth and one plays. Um, Randall Cobb coming in and being useful on third downs, making a couple conversions. Rodgers was 16 for 16 on second and third downs at one point. Um, and then you got vintage Rogers getting up. (laughs) I know what you're thinking. Vintage Rogers getting up to the line and catching the lions with 12 in the field. Um, I wanted to bring up something. The announcers praised was Josh Myers getting up to the line, being acclimated to Rogers, doing everything of rushing everybody up to the line, getting everybody set, having everything figured out in just that really quick, you know, very short amount of time and the amount of time it takes for a defender to sprint off the field. And as a rookie, having that already in you figured out, uh, definitely, definitely appreciate seeing that out of Josh Myers. Yeah, so I wanted to mention that. Huge step. Um, Aaron Jones, absolute monster. Did everything in this game. He had six receptions. Obviously, the four touchdowns. He's the first since, I think, Danny Woodhead. In 2013, to have three receiving and a rushing touchdown in a game, I'm pretty sure that's what it was. It was Danny Wood. He's the he's the first one since Marshall Falk to have four touchdowns on a Monday Night Football game. I'll tell you that's nice. that. I know that one. Nice. All right. Um. Do you do you have anything else in the recap before we move into preview? Yeah. Um. I want to talk about that Rogers throw to Tanyan because that was. Holy shit. <laughs> Rogers has, oh my God, you can make so, 
you could take so many highlights from Aaron Rodgers on his throws. Like, and they said this during the announcement too that Rodgers is like the only quarterback in history to get away with have throwing without his feet on the ground. How the hell yeah. does he do that, dude? He just jumps around and flips it, and you're just like, what the? I mean, my God. But that throw to Robert Tanyan, I got two throws that I think that it's close to, but it, it might be better than a couple of them. The one throw is the, in the playoff game against the Cowboys when he threw a right past Sean Lee's ear into Richard Rodgers. That was crazy. And the next one that I think of, and I'm just doing like tight window throws, is the run the table year, which I think is the exact same year as, as the – I think it's the exact same year. But he threw a pass to Devontae in the corner of the end zone against Philadelphia, and the yep. ball literally went through the DB's yep. hands. I'm like – He had one He had one like that last year against Philadelphia too where he threw it yeah. in between two defenders, and, and that was – he like threw it out of the end zone to Devontae who was at like the 40-yard yeah. line, and it's like – how is Devontae the one that has the ball out of those three? For in that mess, Devontae stands up with the ball and he's and, just, yeah, like, I, I caught it. He's like, Did you think that I wasn't gonna catch it? Like, who else did you think was coming down with that ball? And I mean Aaron freaking Rodgers, people. And you know, I love that's, his that's press all core the strength. The game. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about this now. Who the hell is anybody to comment on his life about his work ethic? We don't see him like that, okay? Just because you got a Facebook account, you got a Twitter, it doesn't give you the right to comment how a man lives his life. He doesn't come to your Twitter and tell you how to walk your dog or that you should pick up your dog's shit quicker. Like, he doesn't do that, okay? Stop talking about how this man should cut his hair or he shouldn't diet or he shouldn't be dating this girl or he shouldn't do this or do this or do this. He lives his own life. I've always told people this, right? You know, I have conversations with my girlfriend and – and women are different. And she's talking about, oh, this guy's ugly. I'm like, I don't give a shit what he looks like. When he puts on a damn helmet, if he helps my goddamn team win, that's what I care about. If, it, if his helmet's yellow, I cheer for him. He, he he throws darts. He throws darts to Tanyan. He he throws darts to Devontae. He picked up some big third downs with Devontae Randall made him look good on one throw. Devontae had one where he was full extension that he went and got yeah. when they were getting down into the red zone. So Devontae had one really nice catch. It's called um, the gold zone, by the way. But yeah, gold zone. My bad. Yeah, gold zone. You know why they call it the gold zone? I found this out on Monday. Yeah, because of Hackett. Yeah, because he loves gold. Member. That's yeah. That's why Rogers went. I love gold. That's why he did that last year because of the movie reference. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So your dad but, said in the comments, as much as he liked Lindsay Myers, is the real deal. Oh that's yeah, definitely something we talked about during the preseason. Uh, when we were talking about you know players to watch in the preseason games with Josh Myers, um, that that program of Ohio State is a pro-ready program is something yes. that we talked about, something that I said when we were talking about Josh Myers. Unless you're so, a quarterback. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But um, yeah, Josh Myers definitely deserves credit. Um, Tyler in the comments said that one of his best passes yeah. that he remembers was Rodgers to Cook. And Cook just keeping his toes on the uh, on the field before falling out of bounds. I was, the game I was just referencing there. throws like in between people's hands and stuff. That's what I was referencing. Rodgers has way more like impressive throws. Like the one that I always talk about is one against the Bears, where he dodged like every single player on the Bears roster and then jumped and was getting tackled and he throws it over two people. And I'm like, oh, he should not be doing that. 
Flag him for being so damn good. That's what the flag should have been. Not holding. Aaron Rodgers is too freaking good. Get him off the field. He's too good. Holy shit. I was like, what? This man is unreal. That was the player. I was like, oh, my God. That That is the greatest throw of Rodgers' career, and I do not want to debate it. That was the greatest throw. Greatest throw I've ever seen in my life. You know what? We're going to – we're next week or maybe today we can even do it. Tyler should get it up on, on the other screen so we can watch the play that I'm talking about because that was just – man, oh, man, oh, I'll, man. I'll get it for you next week. I'll put it on here for next week. Craziest throw of all time. I swear, bro. I don't want to hear nothing about Mahomes. <laughs> all right. You ready to move into preview? Yeah, dude. Oh, man. I love the Packers, if you can't tell. Do you need your underwear before them. we move on? No, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the Packers defense versus the 49ers offense first. Um, I'm gonna I'm just gonna touch on this right away just because Tyler brought it up with Brandon Ayuk, something I mentioned already that he's a speedster. Uh, the reason that Brandon Ayuk hasn't seen the field a ton so far in the first two games is that he's, be, he's he's still coming back from a hamstring injury. So that's why he hasn't played a ton so far. Kyle Shanahan's a weird coach. So even if his guy was 100% week two, he's still gonna like baby step him up. So there will be, I would fully expect more Brandon Ayuk this week. That Maybe it won't be 80% of snaps, but last week he played 50-some percent of snaps, so maybe this week he plays... 70% of snaps or something like that. Even still, no matter how many snaps he plays, he's way faster than Kevin King. I would much rather see Eric Stokes. Yeah, and God, never mind. I don't want to talk about Kevin King. I'm going to get frustrated. I'm feeling good thinking about Rodgers right now. So, Well, we got to talk about the 49ers offense and the Packers defense, and then we'll All get right, back to the 49ers offense. offense has been pretty solid this year so far. I mean, they played the Lions and the Eagles, and the Eagles aren't That'll known make for you look defense. Solid. The Lions aren't known – you know, neither of them are known for great defense. Um, but they are averaging 29 points per game on offense. Um, they're averaging 378 total yards, 254 pass, and 124 rush yards. On the Packers side of things, we give up an average of 27.5. Obviously, that's blown up because we gave up 38 week one. Um, and we're, we're giving up 338 total yards, 198 pass, 139 rush. The key... And we all know the key. We all know the key. Stop the run. And you bring up Garoppolo. Garoppolo is 2-0 against the Packers since he's been with the Niners. And, you know, we need to stop the run. I'm so – I mean, who was I talking to? I don't remember who I was talking to. But I was like, I'm so glad that Mostert got hurt. Like, not happy that he got hurt. Like, that's sad. But I'm glad that we don't have to face him so we don't have to watch highlights of the 2019 NFC Championship game for five minutes. Like, I was there. I saw it, okay? It made me feel like shit back then. Don't do that to me now, <laughs> especially on Sunday Night Football. I don't want to see it again. We got to stop the run. Um, they're going to bring Trey Lance in. They're going to have some RPOs with Trey Lance. We all know that's going to happen. It's going to happen. The, the, if yeah. it's 10 runs, if it's 15 plays, I don't know. They, they've they been going. Probably won't even be that many, honestly. It, it probably won't. But they've been going with the dual quarterback a little bit. And they'll probably test it, especially if we do stop the regular, like the stretch runs and all that stuff. They probably will test it if Garoppolo's not having a good game. We stop the run yeah. and we stop Garoppolo. They'll bring in Trey Lance and they'll they'll test it out. But they got a good offensive mind over there in Shanahan. He's a he's a good schemer, just like Lafleur, just like McVeigh. All three of those guys are great at scheming offensive and running specifically. You know, so 
it's going to be the front seven versus their offensive line. Whoever wins that battle is really going to control the game. And that's really where it's won every week. All right. So my, my outlook on the 49ers offense is a little bit different. I have a little bit more pessimism, I guess, towards their offense, strictly because of their health. I already mentioned Brandon Ayuk being limited with his hamstring injury. Uh, Tim got a little ahead of me in the comments that the running backs in San Francisco are they're in an absolute mess. Michael Hasty's already been ruled out. Uh, Elijah Mitchell's day to day. He's practicing and probably going to play. Uh, Trey Sermon is in concussion protocol. They have Trent Cannon, who's been buried on practice squads. They are so desperate for running backs. They signed Carryon Johnson to their practice squad. Are they more desperate than Baltimore? That's a good question. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, you're you're talking about two offenses that want to run the ball more than anybody else in the league that are now on their third and fourth string running backs. Yeah. So that's where I'm at with them. For me, Jimmy Garoppolo is still one-dimensional. He's not going to beat you with his feet. So like Jake said, if they're having trouble getting the passing game going, you know, if you put Jair on Debo Samuel and that cancels out, that's big for the Packers. Now, if they end up trying to force feed Brandon IU because Kevin King is guarding him, that could be trouble. If Eric Stokes is on him, I feel more confident. That, to me, leads to one X factor. It's George Kittle. He's the biggest on that offense. He's, he's literally the biggest. Yeah. So George Kittle, for me, is the X factor. <laughs> if, if, if what we saw from Devondre Campbell in the second half of the Lions game is who he is and he can do better things in this defense, I feel good. And if... Adrian Amos and maybe Kevin King can help out with George Kittle, then I feel confident. But if none of those three are doing well against George Kittle and he's eaten all over the middle of the field, that could be trouble for the Packers. I feel okay. Like I said, okay, so this is where I'm at. Jair on Debo, I feel confident if Stokes is on Ayuk. What happens with George Kittle in the middle of the field is where I lie for what's going to actually happen in this game. Um, my hope is that Devondre Campbell is for real. If not, like Jake said, we do need to make a trade either for a D end that can get pressure or for me, I would consider trading for a middle linebacker just because it seems like the middle of the field is constantly open for opposing yeah. teams. Still a small sample size, but we'll see. I mean, the middle of the field being open – is a little bit because we had to play kind of a, a two deep shell or a cover four, and we had to cover up for a Kevin King getting blown by. Mm-hmm. So now yep. maybe if Eric Stokes, you know, can you can be like, hey, we're gonna treat you like we treat Jair. I'm not saying yep. he's on that level, but take that take that guy away for a couple possessions. We can run some cover plays. Yeah, we could cover the middle of the field a little bit better, and we can kind of force our hand. Then maybe Barry feels a little bit better about bringing pressure on a second down, you know, a, a second yep. seven, he could blitz the yep. quarterback, make him throw hot. You know what I'm saying? So yep. all that stuff kind of, you're only as strong as your weakest link. And our weakest link was pretty goddamn bad. He was getting hurtled over at the end of the game last week. I mean, the the one thing that I saw him do good that I'll give him credit on is he was the first to celebrate with Eric Stokes for taking his job. <laughs> so, I mean, good job, Kevin. Way to be uh, proud for somebody taking your job, but we'll see what happens, man. Uh, this is definitely it's one of our early seasons, but it's a measuring stick game for us because 49ers sure. are 2-0. I mean, and they're they're looked at as being a threat in the NFC. So 
This is a measure st- measuring stick game for us, man. Yeah, and this is a situation where the Packers have played the Saints and the Lions. One good defense, one bad defense, so we'll see which Packers team shows up. For me, moving into the Packers offense versus the 49ers defense, San Francisco has no secondary. They have a great front seven and no secondary. Like, literally their best cornerback, who was already kind of questionable, is uh, out on IR. So he's done for the season. It's Jason Verrett. He's done for the season. So He's always hurt, man. They The 49ers allowed 33 points to Detroit. Yeah. Jared Goff threw 57 passes in that game. They were better week two against Philadelphia, but that's also Philadelphia, who's got a really bad offensive line. Uh, Jalen Hurts passed 23 times, but he also had 11 rushes. Um, that being said, Aaron Rodgers is not Jalen Hurts or Jared Goff. So I expect a heavy dose of play action in this game, and I expect a lot of quick throws. So whether that's like wide receiver screens to Devontae, if they want to try to set up that tight end screen to Tunyon, or if they want to try to use Aaron Jones out of the backfield or line up Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon together. A.J. Dillon had a nice catch on the sideline last week. He did. On Monday night. So, I mean, just showing that that's an option, um, in addition to all the other guys that they have, We'll see what happens with the offense, but um, I'm expecting a lot of quick throws and play action. Um, your dad said the Packers need to get pressure. The, the, the DBs can only cover for so long. Um, we'll see what happens. I really think that the way that Kevin King has played the last two games, in addition to the NFC Championship game, really has his stock just absolutely crashing. I mean, um, so it might not be level. a full takeover this week, but I do expect probably – Probably closer to 50-50 snaps for the second cornerback this week. I mean, LaFleur kind of talked about it. He kind of mentioned how King was going to be in the slot a little bit more, and I guess we'll see. But if it was me, it's not me. I mean, I'm not saying that I deserve it or anything. But if it was me, I would be – I'd have Stokes out there just off of the last performance. He's got confidence. And when you're confident and you feel like you, you have the ability to perform your job well, you got to put your team in the best position to win. And I think Stokes yeah. on the outside. He has that speed. He's not gonna get he's not gonna get ran by by a lot of guys. Let's just put it that way. Where yeah. I'm sick and tired of watching Kevin King. I don't care about pressure. I mean, I do, but in this situation, he got ran by a Quintez Cephas, who's not exactly known as a burner. You know, I mean, it's pretty sad. It is what it is, I guess. And all we heard of Kevin King coming out of college is oh, he has four four speed and he's six three and he's got long arms and he plays the ball well, and I'm like, bro, I haven't seen none of that shit. <laughs> none of it. He's good in the red zone, and we talk about that all the time. He's great. Yep. I would rather I would rather see Kevin great. King matched up with George Kittle than Brandon Ayuk. Great in the red zone. We'll never take that away from him. And if yeah. he, he if he's in the slot, he can match up with a George Kittle because George Kittle's usually in by the line. Yes. Every yep. once in a while they split him out. But and if he's guarding Trent Sherfield. I feel that that's an even matchup at that point. I'm with that. Now we're going to talk about the Packers offense versus 49ers defense. You already touched about. You already touched on it. Um, the front seven for the 49ers is is outstanding, quite frankly. And the Packers offensive line, I mean, even from being banged up and having rookies, played all right. We played all right. I mean, they're learning. I mean, you, Aaron Rodgers is not the easiest guy to learn from. He's been in this league for a long time, 17th season. Josh Myers. Yeah, he, Josh Myers has shown he is who he is. 
And if I see one more person, oh my God, the sack that happened when Rodgers rolled out was not because, oh my God, it was on Runyon, okay? For the last time, it was on John Runyon. John Runyon's guy, they ran, they did a, they did, and John Runyon wasn't fast enough to get there, and Rodgers got hit. It was, oh my God, I'm sick of explaining that to people, man. It was on Runyon, okay? It was Runyon sack. Look up the stats. Lastly, if the Packers don't run the ball in this game and run the ball well, I'm going to be upset. Week one, we got shut down. Aaron Jones had, what, nine yards, I think? Nine yards, yep. This last week, I mean, he ran the ball okay, I guess, but he had 67 rush yards on 17 attempts. It's all right. But, I mean, Rodgers was cooking, so you're not really going to run the ball a lot. And we were in kind of a shootout game in the first half. Yeah, he was all right. Um, Four yards to carry the first down every drive. But the 49ers have given up 133.5 rush yards a game. And we've given up 139. So their rush their rush defense isn't very good. Uh, mm. Dad's going to Parker Johns. Have fun. Everybody else should join <laughs> my dad and go to Parker Johns and Keel. It's, uh, it's great. We great should, on Wednesdays. All right, Wing really Wednesday. quick. You're on, the, you're on the conversation of Parker Johns. This popped into my head now that we have the second live show set up for Parker Johns is that we should try to do a live show at every Parker Johns. Oh, yeah, 100%. I know the guy that runs – I've hung out with him a couple of times. I know the guy that runs the one in Menasha. So, right. I mean, we can set that up real easy. And the person that runs in Kiel, I can just – I mean, they know they know my stepmom really well, so I can just have her be like, hey, talk to them, ask them, set it up. The one in Kiel, we're probably going to have to go in that back room, though, because yeah. that, that one's kind of small, kind of set up yeah. a little differently. But That's the OG part of them. We'll figure it out. Next one we'll do, we'll do in Kiel. Next live one yeah. we'll do in Keel, and then we'll do one in Menasha. Menasha is a pretty cool setup. I like it. They just redid their deck out front too, so it looks really, really nice. Nice. Maybe we'll maybe we'll plan that one for the summertime. Next All summer right. we'll plan we'll plan that one. All right. Sorry, I got off onto a tangent there. Thanks to Pat. No, nah, it's all good. It's all good. We gotta support the sponsor, man. I love I love me some wings, so we're all good to go. I might get some. Right, I'm thinking about it for dinner. <laughs> You gonna do uh you gonna do a weather report or score prediction first? I'm gonna do a weather report. All right, Jake's weather report. Here we go. I got a burgundy coat coming pretty soon, by the way. So get ready for that. <laughs> uh, we I was doing some hard research with my girlfriend earlier. Yeah, I got a screen. Jake's gonna have a costume change. We got a lot of new things coming to the show. We go. Hey, it's happening, baby. <laughs> um, so the weather report it's a sunday night game so it's gonna be a little bit cooler thank god a little bit in more san wisconsin francisco. weather uh, weather in san francisco sunday night football 53 degrees um winds west 10 to 15 miles an hour i would say that these are mild conditions there's no rain in the forecast this is football weather quite frankly it's going to be yeah. two teams going at it the wind isn't going to affect the ball very much it's just going to be two teams just Going at it and figuring shit out, man. We're gonna we're gonna figure it out. Now I'm gonna transition right into the picks. All right. I have the Packers winning 36-33. Ooh, close game. Scoring. It's gonna be high scoring. I have a I have a low scoring close game. Okay, okay. Um I have the Packers 24 to 20. 24-20. Okay. You know what? For the sake of our defense, I hope we see your game. I just – I don't know. 
I don't have confidence in our defense. Yeah, I mean, yet. this is this is a, a weird game that really could go a lot of ways. I mean, it could end up being like a 42 to 40 game yeah. because you know the San Francisco, I mentioned their secondary is bad. So the Rodgers could beat them by throwing 50 times. The Packers defense has been bad for three halves and good for one half so far in this season. So who knows which Packers defense will show up. We'll see what happens with personnel. I mean, if the Packers play good pass defense in the first half, we could be the reason that Jimmy G gets bent for Trey Lance. We could be. I mean, these are all things that are within the realm of possibility, especially with such a small sample size of what has happened so far this year. I will say this next week is a couple really, really good games in the NFL. And the one that everybody's going to be talking about is uh, the Rams versus the Buccaneers, man. I mean, I, honestly, I want to get what you think about that game because I'm very interested. Dude, there's, there's a lot of good games this week. I said this is weird, but I'm actually looking forward to tomorrow night's game. Like, the Carolina Panthers look really good. Yeah, Sam Darnold, dude. They got He's got a good arm, bro. He was just in New York. They were a mess. Yeah, I mean, Adam Gase will do that to you. So, like, Carolina yeah. looks good. Like, I mean – Houston is Houston. They're just the island of misfit toys over there. But, I mean, like, I'm looking forward to watching that game. I wish Tyrod Taylor was healthy because I actually like him as a player. Me but, too. I, I mean, him, that too. So, you already mentioned the Rams-Buccaneers. That's going to be two good defenses with two potentially good offenses. Like, there's going to be – like, I wish that game was eight quarters long and not four. Yeah, that's going to be a Just because, like, there's going to be so much going on in that game. There's tons of good wide receivers in that game. There's gonna be, there's gonna be, I bet, I bet, a hundred passes in that game. Really? Wow. Both, both. All right, hey, both guys have questionable running back situations and good wide receiving cores. Well, Antonio Brown just got put on the COVID nineteen list, but they so also have Gronkowski. They still got Gronkowski. But there's still plenty of weapons there. Yeah, and then you know, in in LA with the Rams, Cooper Cup is lighting the world on fire right now. Robert yeah, Woods is a good wide receiver, and yep. Tyler Higby is an underrated tight end. And Matthew Stafford is obviously not afraid to sling the ball. So you could, I think it's within the realm of possibility that you see a hundred passes in this game. You you should tell my fantasy team that Tyler Higby is an underrated tight end because I'm sick and tired of drafting that guy, and he gets one. Target for one reception for eight yards. I have, oh I have Robert Woods in two leagues, so I feel your pain. He's got like three for 65 and a touchdown in a couple of games. What the hell, man? Bro, every one of my players that I drafted is not looking like they're supposed to. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I have a game plan. I'm like, oh, I like this guy here, this guy here. I'm like, what the hell happened? It's like I just woke up from binge drinking for eight straight days. Maybe, we should, <laughs> oh maybe next week I'll, I'll put the, the pie bet in there for the pickums, and I'll put a pie bet up, update in there for the Wisco Fanatics Fantasy Football League standings because I'm 2-0 and oh and Jake is 0-2. Oh so okay, I want to show you this. Fun. I want to show you this earlier, and I 100% feel it. It says, how I felt heading into fantasy season and then how I feel after an 0-2 oh start. Okay? Can you guys see that? It's it's Belichick showing off his ring, <laughs> and then it's Belichick with the holy sweatshirt, looking homeless <laughs> as all hell. And I'm like, bro, if this, if I'm a meme, this is me right now. Oh, it's, it's terrible. I will oh. do my best. I will find a profile picture of you. I will cut out your face, and I I gotta I need a picture of you making a sad face, and I will make that meme into you. <laughs> all right. 
<laughs> I can do that. <laughs> All right. Do it. We should we should do that. Except whenever I have to take a pie because I'm always the one taking losing the pie bets. And then Jake hearing that he has to take another pie bet today, we could post it on the page. Oh, that this is good stuff. Gonna, I like it. You said this the other day in one of our group chats, and I think it's gonna become a thing, is that we're gonna rename the pie bet. It's gonna be Jake Nett's pie bet. Yeah, Jake Nett pie bet. It it rhymes too, so it works. I like it. Oh, that's Jake good Nett stuff. <sighs> Maybe one day you'll lose one, Tyler. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. <laughs> He's like, not likely. <laughs> <laughs> not if I can control it. All right. Last thing we're doing is previewing the Badgers matchup versus Notre Dame. This is a very interesting game. Two top 20 opponents going at each other. The Badgers are actually favored by a point and a half in this game. Oh, I saw it differently. I saw it differently on ESPN. Hmm. I saw – yeah, let me try to bring it up again, but I think – I thought I saw it I'm going to bring it up right now. I see the Badgers. It says minus six and a half. That's what I have six written and down. a half. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. The net bet. Six and a that's half. What Cody says. I like that, Cody. The net bet. Net bet. All right. I'm looking at. I'm looking at Yahoo. Yahoo says Wisconsin minus one and a half. Wow. Interesting. Yahoo needs a. Well, we should we should ask Christopher. He's the he's the betting guy. We should see what he says, but. Um, Yahoo is Yahoo, so you know if more places say six and a half, it's six and a half. Either way, the Badgers are favored in this game, which is surprising. Um, this is like a true neutral site. Uh, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that Jesse Temple is a writer at the Athletic. He does a Q and A every day from noon to one. So today I asked him, um, which which side do you think the crowd is going to skew towards? And he said it's going to be split pretty even which is what I'm seeing from basically every outlet is saying that this crowd is going to be really split because Soldier Field is right in between where Notre Dame and Wisconsin play. So this is going to be like really a true neutral site game. Um, I don't know if you want to you want to run through the stuff you got. I'll run through the stuff I got. We'll talk about this, and then uh, we'll give some score predictions. But I will uh, kick it over to you. Yeah, so the first thing I'm going to say is, do you remember when we did our preview – and I said, and I look like an idiot now. It happens quite a bit, so I'm not really surprised. Um, <laughs> I said, the Badgers schedule after Notre Dame is really kind of cake. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Michigan decides to get ranked and win games. And, and Rutgers decides to win games. And Michigan State's looking good. And, oh, man, the Big Ten's winning games, man. Uh, Big Ten is definitely more competitive this year. Uh, yep. Notre Dame, though. 3-0, they're ranked number 12. Badgers number 18, 1-1. Obviously, we lost that heartbreaker to Penn State. The Badgers right now, if they would have won that Penn State game, would be probably sitting at, like, number 9, number 10 maybe. Yeah. So, but, like, this is this is the reason why we said the season's still right in front of us, man. Iowa's ranked high. I mean, we got a lot of big-time games that if we could pull out some wins, we'll shoot right up those rankings. But Notre Dame, first and foremost, if we're going to win this game, Graham Mertz has to throw a god stinking touchdown. He has yet to he throw a touchdown. Have to, but it'd be nice. It would. It'd be nice. Uh, he has yet to throw a touchdown. I mean, he should have it, two. He should have two touchdowns. He should, but he doesn't. You know, at the end of the All day. Right. Um, so I'm just gonna run run down some stats that I took. I wrote. I have the weather as well. Um, I wrote oh, down yeah. points for points against total yards and yards allowed. Um, and then I wrote down an extra one because I'm, I really, really like this one. It's impressive for the Badgers. 
Um, right. Points for Notre Dame is averaging 33. The Badgers right now averaging 22. Penn points State against. Will do that to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, points against. Notre Dame's giving up 26.7, which is pretty shocking, especially when you go back and look at that Toledo game. Toledo whooped their butt a little bit. Toledo almost upset them. Yeah. Um, and then Badgers are giving up 11.5 points. Badgers play defense, baby. Um, total yards four. Notre Dame is 407. The Badgers are 441. Of that 441, 266 is rushing. That is in intense. That's 20th allowed, in all of college football. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Uh, yards allowed. Notre Dame is giving up 381 yards total. The Badgers are giving up 194. Of 381 yards given up by Notre Dame, 148 of that is rush yards, so favors the Badgers. Of the 194 yards allowed per game for the Badgers, 33 is rushing. That is per game. That is insane. (laughs) The Badgers are giving up 33 rush yards per game. I know it's only through two games, but one of them was against a team that's ranked in the top 10 right now. The Badgers can stop the run. And they the run fact the ball is well. They can score points. And they force people to throw the ball. And then we can create pressure. And that's how we're going to win games. Oh, yes, we are. So <laughs> um, I'll give my score prediction later. That caught me off guard. Um, but I'm going <laughs> to Tyler. What do you got, buddy? <laughs> All right. Cody said in the comments, we're going to have to outshine the former Badger QB. I'm glad you brought that up because I wrote it down. Graham Mertz versus Jack Cohn. Completion percentage, Jack Cohn is at 62.6. Graham Mertz is at 66.7. Jake already mentioned the touchdowns. Jack Cohn does have eight touchdowns in three games, two interceptions, so their interception numbers are the same. Here's the big differentiator in why Jake just said that if we create pressure, we're going to win games. Graham Mertz has only been sacked three times in the first two games. Jack Cohn has played three games, been sacked 14 times. 14 times he's been sacked in three games. That's a lot. So Notre Dame gives up pressure on their quarterback, and the Badgers create pressure on opposing quarterbacks. He's getting sacked on like more than once per quarter if you like do the averages. He played 12 quarters. He's getting sacked basically five times a game. Yeah, that's that's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah, he's getting beat up over there. So now the other thing with this on the flip side, Jake gave all the all the team stats is I want to give up how the running backs do against Notre Dame's defense. Now this is three games so far that Notre Dame has played against Purdue, Toledo, and Florida State. Against Purdue, they gave up four and a half rushing yards on 10 attempts to the lead running back. In the Toledo game, their lead running back had 21 carries, averaged 5.8 yards a carry. He had 21 carries for 122 yards. That's a lot. And in that Toledo game, they also gave up nine receptions to, for 135 yards to their number one wide receiver. And, Cody, I'm glad you brought up that Chanel is back. He's off the COVID list, so he is back. Um, and then this is absolutely nuts. Florida State in the game that Notre Dame played against Florida State, three running backs, the lead back, 15 carries, averaged 9.6 yards per carry. Average that on 15 carries. Their second 
running back, had 11 carries. He averaged 6.9 yards per carry. That's insane. And their third running back, six carries, averaged 5.7 yards per carry. Whenever you get to the third running back, it ain't looking good. That's all I got to say. Dude, that we're, so we're talking Pez Malusi, Jalen Berger, and Isaac Garendo are going to demolish Notre Dame. This is two things here. One on our defense versus their offense. One on our offense versus their defense that play perfectly into all the Badgers' strengths. Notre Dame can't stop pressure. Badgers create pressure. Notre Dame can't stop the run. Badgers are damn good at running the ball. I got the Badgers 30-10. to 10. Ooh, You have more confidence in the offense than I do. I wrote that. They're not stopping the run. You know what? You know what? Hey, I'll do you one better. Graham Mertz still does not throw a touchdown. Oh, and we scored 30? Oh, my God. I'm going to – I have 20 to 13. I think it'll be a one-score game. I think the Badgers are going to win. They're going to control the clock. I think Mertz probably turns the ball over once and kind of gives Notre Dame a little bit of, little bit of life. But I have 20 to 13. Tyler out here is – if we win 30 to 10, the Badgers are going to be top, I got, dude, top 15. I got fired up thinking with the Notre Dame can't stop – quarterback pressure and the Badgers creating quarterback pressure and Notre Dame not being able to stop the run and the Badgers being one of the best in the country at running the ball. Like yeah, those things like that to me sets up what could be an ugly game for Notre Dame. I mean, we all know Notre Dame is fake good anyways. So, and on top of that, the Badgers have to win this game because they're going to look cold as hell, man. Look good. Play good. Dude. Dude. Those the the gloves, dude, that have the W built in. Oh, those are that's so awesome. How badly I want those is not fair. <laughs> I gotta get some and just hang them like right here. I'm gonna buy one of those jerseys, man. Those jerseys are sick. I like them. They gotta bring the red helmets back, the Melvin Gordon helmets. Those are yeah, sick. Yeah, those are nasty. With the black on it too. Oh, yeah. Those are sick. Yeah, I, I want I want the Under Armour to create some. New cool jerseys for the Badgers because college football you, know, you, can get, you can get real crazy with the uniforms. In right? the NFL next year, they can change helmet colors. There's a rule in there with the uniform stuff that they can change helmet colors. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. And Nike is in control of the uniforms from the NFL. And Nike's like, there's a reason they're the big dog. They're never afraid to take the chance. Yeah, they'll have fun look, with stuff. Yeah, look at Oregon. Like they're they're just like, yeah, you know what? All white, throw it out there. All yellow, throw it out there. All green, silver, this other shade. Not of even green. a color scheme. Put it out there. Yeah, screw it. So I mean, I'm excited, dude. I mean, we're not gonna we're not gonna get into like a Milwaukee Admirals AHL or Timber Rattlers thing where they're wearing like stormtrooper outfits or or cow printed uniforms or anything like that. But a green right. Packers helmet, maybe. Come on, man! A white Packers helmet with those that all white drip, dude. Ooh, give me. Give me all yellow. I've only been asking for it since 2012. They give me all yellow, please. I think they're gonna do something sick next year, man, with the helmet change color. It's gonna be yeah, nice. that's, yeah. That's in. I, I'm pretty sure that's next year, 2022, for the Imagine NFL. an all black Packers uniform. Nasty, bro. Nasty. With it, with like a do like half of the number like yellow and half green with like a white outline. Oh man. I could just go crazy. That would, that would look like an Oregon uniform. That would look sick, though. That would look sick. Imagine Aaron Rodgers throwing touchdowns to Devontae Adams in that. Yeah. Yeah, and black. Yeah, that'd be sweet. 
All right, man. You have anything else you want to talk about today before we uh, um, say goodbye? No, I think next week maybe we uh, show and talk a little bit more about the bonus episodes because we'll be a little bit closer to it. What but... else do we got next week? You set this up, so I'm going to let you announce it. What else do we have next week? Uh, we have – I don't remember her last name. Kristen Bray, I think her last name is. Yes. I'm going to give yeah. the credit to my girlfriend, by the way. Because my girlfriend is one that found her on Instagram. Um, when I told her about it earlier today, she because she was showing me another video of her. She was like, oh, you guys ever have you know somebody like this on there? I'm like, actually. And then I tell her. Um, I'm going to give her the credit because she's the one that showed me during the Bucks playoff run. She showed me her. And I was like, that's interesting. And then, uh, yeah, we just kind of got to work talking and we set it up. You're going to tell play. everybody who it is? What's that? You're going to tell everybody who it is or you're just going to keep talking about her? Um, I got. I don't remember her last name. I don't want to pronounce it correct, incorrectly, buddy. What is, she, what is what is her Instagram handle? Give everybody that much. Um, as Wisconsin goes. As Wisconsin goes, she, she just does you – know, she talks all Wisconsin. She doesn't just talk sports. She yeah. covers all Wisconsin. Yep. She covers, you know, she gets political with it. Um, I'll show you her page real quick. Um, this is her page for everybody who wants to follow her. She does some very, very funny stuff. I will, I'll take a screenshot of that and I'll share it. Um, she's called a, di- she calls herself a digital creator. Um, she has three, 3,000 followers. I mean, she's very funny. Yeah, she, she's very funny. She's she's just got a great personality, and we're very excited to have her on the show next week. And she loves Wisconsin, so we we definitely identify with that. So, and that's what I told that's what I told my girlfriend too. I was like, she just she was like, she's not just sports. Though. I was like, but me and Tyler's point of this whole podcast is because we're sick of turning on the TV and we watch sports all the time, and nobody loves Wisconsin. You know, nobody gives love to Wisconsin, and that goes back to the Cy Young stuff. That goes back to you know. Everybody in the NBA talking about just the Nets and LA. You know, it it goes back to all that stuff. You know, we just love Wisconsin. We're born in Wisconsin. We're from here. And she shares that same love, you know. So, yeah, it's going to be going to be pretty exciting. Interesting. It's going to be a different type of interview. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting more confident in interviews after last week. I'll tell you that. Craig Um, Kishon does wonders for the confidence. Yeah, he he did a lot for us. I'll just say that. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good episode next week. All right, yeah, Kristen Bray with us next week of As Goes Wisconsin, so that's going to be – that'll be fun. Yes, sir. All right, and don't forget, November 4th, Wisco Fanatics live show, Green Bay Parker Johns, come hang out with us. We will see you next week. If you come hang out with us, I'll buy your first beer, and I'll share my cheese curds with you because I'm that nice of a guy. You know what? Next week – you know what next week is? What's that? Next week – will be the 29th of september that'll be day 364 so next thursday is one year of the wisco fanatics show should we just go live on thursday you know what that's not a bad idea we're figuring this out right now well we can't but we got the interview next week set up for next wednesday but we can we hey let's do a short live together next thursday to commemorate the first year yes 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 i agree let's do that tim I better see you November 4th. That's all I'm going to say. I better see you November 4th, man. You've been you've been a ride or die with us since day one, it feels like. So I better see you especially on November 4th. <clears throat> but everybody is welcome, man. Let's pack Parker Johns and let's talk Packers and Badgers football. You guys can come on camera and join us. Like, 
we're doing this live to to meet you guys and yeah. you know just to have a great time and show you that we're just real people just like you and we just love talking sports so come join us man i, I we really are, we are definitely you. real people there is that yes yeah we're just real normal <laughs> working people we go to work and we hate it just like you <laughs> hopefully someday this will be our work but we got a long ways to go to get there yes sir all right man see you next week yes sir you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours activities excursions and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.